I would like to find faith to take you on a strange journey. Podcast.com Star Wars mashup where this is where Star Wars meets Satan and they make sweet, sweet love and this podcast is the result. This is uh, an amalgamation of a bunch of different episodes, sort of one-offs, depending on whether or not we have five weeks in the month. Uh, November 29th, today we have one of those weeks. So we're going to be talking a little Star Wars. Now, I have with me uh, Cameron and Dorian. Both of them joined me for the very first of these back in August 30th, but it's time. It's time. Gentlemen, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm, good. I'm actually prepared. Yeah, this doing great. <laughs> <laughs> actually prepared. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I'm prepared, but I'm all. I mean, I'm always prepared for Star Wars. But okay, right. let's put it this way: I just got done watching Empire, so I'm prepared at least. Oh. Nice, nice. <laughs> so you're effectively in your refractory period. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just kind of letting it all mellow out. <laughs> nice. Well, <clears throat> gentlemen, we have a lot to talk about. First, I want to cover the sequence of these. I'm actually talking really loud, sorry. I'm watching my level <laughs> spike compared to you guys'. Um, uh, we're going to be covering uh, a whole bunch of different topics today, but it's all centered around the idea of the hero's journey. So for those of you who turned in for August 30th, you're going to remember uh, that episode was really based around the uh, ideas of why we love Star Wars and how, if at all, Star Wars is representative of some satanic satanic themes or ideas. Uh, this week, uh, we are following suit with that in mind. So it's, again, the hero's journey in Star Wars and how it can, or if it even does at all, relate to a Satanist's personal identity. So we're going to be talking a little bit of mythology. We're going to be talking a little bit of, well, a lot of bit of Star Wars and a little bit of Satanism throughout this entire episode. If this, if you're turning into this expecting a pure Satanic discourse, you're not going to get it. This is uh, meant to be purely for fun for those of us who uh, enjoy, those of us Satanists who enjoy Star Wars, Dorian and Cameron being amongst them. So this is a whole other religion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is where the other half of our black flame it lives. <laughs> yes, yeah, um, dark side. <laughs> so we had a uh, we'd gone in some pretty deep detail. Uh, or I don't know about detail, but we we covered a whole lot of territory in the last episode. We talked briefly about the force, about characters. We talked about uh, episodes. I'm uh, not episodes, but actually the movie releases. Um, we talked briefly about some of the expanded universe a little bit. I mean, we, we covered a lot of ground, dusting over it. I really want to try to focus this week's episode on the hero's journey and um, Star Wars. So with that in mind, if we can 
kind of uh, frame the discussion either on the original trilogy or the prequel and original trilogy, because I think both of them will match match up really well with this discussion, um, certainly with the way that um, Lucas admitted that he wrote the, the story. So, Dorian, uh, can you give us a rundown, a brief rundown on what the hero's journey is? Well, uh, I mean, there's, there's several different aspects that you can take that from, obviously. Um, you know, most people are going to consider it the, I guess, maybe the Skywalker bloodline, um, especially if you're talking prequel into uh, the original series. If you're just talking the, the original series, of course, then again, you're going to be looking at, uh, you know, Luke. Um, although, you know, for me, Han Solo was always more of uh, my, my favorite hero. But <laughs> yeah, uh, but they but they both do go through their own journeys, and then um, and of course if you go through prequels, um, yeah, you know Anakin has his own journey that you know it it takes a longer route to get him back to, I guess being called a hero in the end, um, but <laughs> there's a uh, there's a lot of I guess which path do we want to take? Which one do we want to? <laughs> well, let me let me give Which a, one do you a want example. Yeah, let's give a bird eye's view of what the hero's journey is. So it's typically broken up into three distinct acts, and that's really how we're going to be framing this podcast. The first act is the departure, where the hero is living his mundane existence, gets a glimpse of something greater, and begins the journey, uh, willingly or not, to his ultimate destiny. The second act is going to be the initiation, and this is where he encounters all of his trials. He grows as an individual, and he sort of has his moment of uh, uh, absolute understanding of himself in the greater world at large. And then the third act is the return, and this is sometimes he re doesn't even want to go back to his mundane existence, but if he does, he brings with him uh, knowledge and treasure and uh, experience that he shares with those around him. Um, and we're going to be breaking the podcast again into these three distinct segments. Um, and I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, Cameron, are you okay with just sticking to the core trilogy or do you want to expand it out to the entire movie? Uh, I'm perfectly fine with just the original trilogy. Truth be told, I haven't <laughs> seen attack of the clones in probably like three years. Cause I can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do that. Cause they're probably also the, um, best known of the movies. Um, I'm hoping they're the best known of the movies. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they'll be it's most not, important to the movies that are coming too. So, mm -hmm. yes, absolutely. Indeed. Hey, you know what? Now that you mentioned that, before we dive into Act One, Departure, let's talk a little about what has been going on. It's been since August since we spoke last, the end of August, admittedly, but still, it's been like two months. This this is the third month since we've discussed it last, and we have a month to go, less than a month oh. as this is released. <laughs> There's been a ton of movie leaks out there. I mean, you have some comics, you got some books, novels, um, and you have tr just tons of trailers and uh, little sneak peeks and of, of uh, magazine articles and stuff. Uh, what are you guys, uh, Dorian? What's what's your impression so far? Are you more or less excited about this movie? Uh, just more excited. It's so amazing to see um some of the the dog fight footage um not only oh, i mean God, we're used yes. to seeing um mm -hmm. we used to seeing them in space but to see them um inside of the planet's atmosphere in broad daylight um mm -hmm. seeing the millennium falcon cutting through trees and and the snow <laughs> that comes off of it and and uh 
seeing TIE fighters on the horizon and stuff. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely get a boner. Every time <laughs> amazing. Amazing. So exciting. Has there been any, um, do you feel like the, there's been too much reveal about characters or potential story? Because there's tons of rumors about the plot. Yeah. You know, if you really want to know, stuff that's going on. It's not that hard to find it, but there is a lot of rumors and the rumors, some of the rumors are just way off mm-hmm. and, and it can be obvious the whole, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, that Luke is actually, um, uh, the Sith, uh, yeah. I can't think of it. Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren. Yeah. yeah which I, is, I, I is love absolutely not that. true. Well, you see yeah. him, like he reveals himself. You see him without the helmet. It's clearly exactly. not Luke. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know, do like, like that. yeah, I, I love that idea that there's, they they do such a, a wonderful job that they don't show their hand completely. They're just sort of bending their cards a little bit and revealing an, a spade or, or a, a club or something. They're just not giving you everything. And that's what I really love. I hate going into a movie knowing exactly what to expect. Because then it's just not as thrilling. You're not un- uncovering this this story. I mean, some of the movies that I remember most vividly are the ones that I literally go into knowing nothing about, and I'm just blown away by. And I, I kind of feel like this is going to be one of those where we've seen these little glimpses and trailers and little TV spots, but I, we really that it doesn't tell you anything. Like there, it, nothing at all. Yeah. I, uh, Cameron, what is it? Blue balls. That's about. It. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your experiences? Because I know you you're you're a big novel reader of Star Wars novels. Uh, have you picked up any of the newer uh, uh, novels that have been released, sort of leading into the movie? Um, unfortunately, not really. I, I I picked up Fate of the Jedi, uh, which took place after A New Hope, I believe. So it doesn't really help much with leading up to the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I gotta say, the new canon it's it's really not too bad. I mean, I've heard some bad things, but I usually don't listen to people when they discuss books. Mm. Um, yeah, that's, that's about it, unfortunately. I've been I'm way too busy to be reading, which sucks. <laughs> have you been able to catch the different TV releases of uh, trailers and stuff? I have, and I well, that, like, I went into this being like, oh, I don't want to know anything. I just want to experience this new. And, I mean, <laughs> you know this. You're the one that convinced me to watch the trailers. Uh, yeah. And yeah, oh man, the first time I saw the second teaser trailer, I'm not gonna lie, I, I teared up a little bit. And oh, that yeah, was yeah. the my mind. Chewie, we're home. I just yeah. I I lost my shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, Chewbacca can be alive. Hmm. Uh, it's uh, we'll get rid of the EU. That's fine. <laughs> it's weird because yeah. I, I oh I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I I uh I, I kind of agree. Like, I, I mean, I love the expanded universe. I love the books. And, I, I you know, Chewbacca's fate in the original books was yeah. so heroic. And oh. so, oh, you yeah. know, but then I, but to see him again in a movie, it is pretty cool. So, and I don't know if you guys have, you guys have probably caught this too, but the most recent trailer, somebody has pointed out, is the first time that Chewbacca's fingers have ever been shown in a movie. Huh. I didn't think of that I mean, at all. That I did notice that they looked weird. Yeah, he detonates the bomb, and you can actually see his black, sausage almost human fingers. fingers. <laughs> yeah, oh, like gorilla exactly. sausage fingers. Yeah. Let's say, let's not go that far. I've met Peter Mayhew. He he has anything but human hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 
uh, I, I find it really interesting because I, I notice every once in a while in some form of media or just uh, individuals' conversations about how much Star Wars has permeated the merchandise side of our culture since the announcement of this movie and the release of all these trailers and the growing hype. And it's like everyone has amnesia because... There were Star Wars products everywhere in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Like, like everything. It was, I mean, this is just par for the course. It's not new. No, no, not at all. <laughs> really crazy. Well, it's not like Do you guys have your tickets already? Ago. What's that? <laughs> Do you guys have your tickets already? Oh, man. I got my marathon ticket, but I got it to sell. Oh. <laughs> oh, you're selling it. I, I am. I am. I had some, uh, Stuff come up and unfortunately can't go, but I am still doing the midnight release because I nice. bought two tickets. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I'm going to try to go with the family, so it's going to have to be on a weekend matinee. So hopefully I can get some of those IMAX uh, weekend matinee tickets pretty soon after yeah. its release. Um, it, But it is something where you know I'm going to go with the wife and kids, and then I'm going to want to go alone so I don't have to worry about thinking about oh, them. Yeah. They don't have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I have to go out with them or popcorn spilling or anything. I can just sit and focus because uh, I got a feeling this is going to be a really, really good one. Um, so I've I've read the comic series that was sort of a you know, journey to the Force Awakens that Marvel released. It's really just four episodes, and it doesn't tell you anything, but it hints at some really interesting things. Um, I just tonight picked up the, um, and this is I'm gonna have finished it by the time this is released, this episode. But I just picked up Aftermath from the library. I'm gonna be reading that, which is about how right after Endor, what the Empire does and how it leads into the Battle of Jakku, which is sort of uh, the opening scene I, I think um, you know where Ray is on that desert planet which isn't Tatooine Here's, can I ask you guys really quick um, and both of you chime in on this are we paralleling too much of the original trilogy you starting on a desert planet there's a Death Star like uh, big weapon there's a dark side guy who's trying to fulfill Vader's destiny as teased through the trailers um, I mean is it too much too close too tight I think that's kind of the intent with uh, the trailers and stuff because they're it seems like they're trying to give it more of the feel of the original trilogy not the prequels because exactly. truth be told everybody hates the prequels I mean it took mm -hmm. years to be like oh, okay I'll accept this a little bit yeah. so I think that's what and, they're waiting for and it's just going to explode and just be something completely Completely unexpected. Oh. And, and that was Big something that, um, yeah, the fans really hit J.J. Abrams with that from the beginning to say, hey, you know, Star Wars is, you know, the outer rim planets. It's the nuts and bolts and the rust on the ships. It's not, you know, what George Lucas turned it into after he had already established the originals. So I think he really paid attention to that. And, you know, I mean, on one aspect, you got to imagine, too, that there are only so many kind of environments that of planets that people could actually live on. Right. So, I mean, yeah, you've got desert, snow, forest, you know, I mean, there's only so many things you could do with it, but I do think that it's important for him to say right out of the gate, this is the star Wars that you fell in love with originally. And so you make a familiar feel to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'm just a little bit concerned. Like, I don't, I don't know how far you guys um, went into the expanded content, uh, the EU, but there's just a ton of comics that were released, and like, the Emperor comes back a shit ton, the Death Star oh, yeah. comes back, <laughs> the planet destroyers come back, and it's just this constant like planet destroying thing. And and now this movie is called Star Killer Base, and so it's not even a planet destroyer; it's a star destroy. Well, okay, not a star destroyer. <laughs> you know, it blows up stars. So it's like, at what point, just release a plague. Like, let's do something that's not about gigantic masses of planetary bodies being destroyed or threatened to be destroyed. And I, I do, here's something that I really do like, is that they're playing the myth aspect. And this is going to uh, lead nicely into this uh, discussion with Act One of the Departure. But... In the original movie, Episode 4, New Hope, um, Luke and the idea of the Force, it's 20 years wiped off the face of the galaxy. No one knows anything about it, and if they do, they're a hermit living in the middle of nowhere, and it's child fairy tales. The, yeah. It's very much like this, except we're like 40 years, right? Into the future for, uh, for The Force Awakens, where... No one has a clue except for the people who interacted with it like firsthand. Right. And if Luke is absent, I mean, no one would have a clue what a Jedi is. No one would have a clue what any of the Force, Light, or Dark Side is except for in your history books, you know? And there weren't even written history books that we know of. So it's very much taking this mythological approach and this uncovering of a myth as truth, which in at least I'm going to ask you guys' experience here real quick, but in my uh, revealing of my discovery of Satanism is the exact same way. I was chasing the occult and these myths of ancient knowledge, of, of uh, histories of, of ancient uh, tombs existing. And through my siphoning through those myths, I discover something called the Satanic Bible and it blew my fucking mind. So did you guys have that similar parallel of, of this myth of Satanism or the occult or evil or something like that? Yeah, that, that's pretty much how it was for me. Just like studying old mythology, religions, all that. And it was pretty much a bound to happen that I ran into it and I'm glad I did. No. It's the first did you time find, I read something. Oh, go ahead. Did you find Star Wars or Satanism first? <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> it would have been Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars, but, but it, it's it's up there with mm -hmm. the importance. <laughs> what about you, Doran? Yeah, um, for me, uh, it's absolutely, there's absolutely similarities. I mean, number one, um, as far as, uh, I mean, you have to assume that um, Luke has always felt himself to be different before, even mm -hmm. before discovering his ability of the Force. And I think for me, um, growing up in a very religious household and always kind of feeling like it's not quite right or, um, you know, I see things differently. I feel like I'm different. And then – but as you were saying, um, the first time I read the Satanic Bible, I read it thinking uh, – I kind of read it as a, more of like, I'm just going to read this for fun. It's probably some horror novel. It's going to be something that tells you how to resurrect demons or, you know, I mean, I expected this crazy stuff. So, you know, reading it and having that truth unveiled and not only that truth unveiled, but going, I, I feel like this is talking about me, um, you know, is definitely very similar to that. 
Yeah, let's let's dive into the departure uh, act 1 and let's let's talk about Luke's experience of of discovering the force for the first time. Typical story, a little farm boy, nothing better to do, growing up to be nothing. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm, I'm losing my voice. <laughs> Chasing all the farm girls, beating off in the cornfields. Yeah. yeah, you know, the, the typical stuff. Actually, his would be the moisture evaporators, not... Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that, that's yeah. very true. <laughs> and then, comes across some droids... One of them disappears, starts hunting him down. Of course, the droid is looking for its previous owner, Ben Kenobi. Comes across him. The gentleman, Ben Kenobi, tells him all about his father, the Force. Kid's just mystified because he's never heard of it before. And really, it goes from there. Him wanting to follow in his father's footsteps, even though he's this is the first time he's heard of any of it. Yeah, I mean, he did initially refuse, though, which I think is really interesting because that plays directly into the Campbell version of the John Campbell version of the mythology. The hero, I'm sorry, Joseph, <laughs> Joseph Campbell, uh, good old John Campbell, uh, Joseph Campbell's version of the the hero's journey. In that you're you have a certain call for adventure, which was mm-hmm. old Ben, and then he was like, no, 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 I still got to go get some power converters. I got a date with fucking wedge Antilles. I, I got I got these moisture evaporators to fucking work on like there's just no possible way so he his hand was kind of forced in that which i thought was kind of interesting can we talk really quickly about these fucking jawas how did do they just randomly they're like they're like vacuum salesmen they randomly show up and hope that the little settlement is gonna need droids or do you think that they were called like uncle owen like called them up like jawa hotline droids for you you know i mean Oh, they're definitely they probably do. They probably go to farms and stuff, you know, like, hey, they need robots, you know, let's, let's go check it out. Yeah, no, it's going to bother me because it's such a huge planet. There's life is so parsed away from other life that just in order to travel from A to B on the hopes that they have a droid that they want to, you know, that the, the farm wants to buy or that they're even interested. It seems like a really horrible business plan. <laughs> <laughs> like how are they paying for gas <laughs> is there gas <laughs> I don't fucking well yeah it's probably hard for them to set up like a used droid lot somewhere and hope that people are actually going to show up yeah see, that's how Tashi Station started it was just a used droid yeah yeah um, okay so w- Dorian can I ask you about uh, old Ben really quick I mean this this is a mentor figure we know him from the sort of the prequel movies but at this point in in the release of these movies he's he's literally called out as being a wizard so so there's there's already this sort of mystery surrounding and this craziness oh old crazy old ben um what are your first impressions of this character and uh you know can you give us a little backstory about him in his relationship to luke um, well, uh, obviously, I mean, we know, I know we're not talking prequels, but we know that he was kind of out there to kind of watch over Luke, uh, to some extent. 
But, um, you know, first impressions when you especially, you know, like with your first um, introduction to Star Wars is the, the original series. Um, the first impression of him is, a, I guess, because of the way he approaches things. He does approach things in a very uh, wise manner. He is, he's calm and he thinks out what he's going to say. And uh, yeah, he's cautious about it, but he's, although we also know he's also kind of a little bit of a bullshitter as far as, <laughs> you know, the way he words things, <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, your father, yeah, he was killed by Vader, uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but I mean, he, he comes across as, as somebody that is, um, I guess, genuine and he, he does tell Lou, you know, you must do what you think is right. So he's kind of helping, hoping that he'll. Uh, see things his own way, which, you know, I mean, you got to admit, too, that, you know, Luke changing his mind uh, you know, after everyone he knows is dead is not a huge <laughs> sacrifice, you know, but. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he really went but, on out on a limb on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, he, uh, he's definitely, uh, I, th- I think that's a, a definitely a sign of, uh, as far as, uh, no, I don't know if this is the part of the question but as far as relating to a, a satanist i think uh as you mature you you come to a place where you know when to say something and when to just mildly let somebody figure things out on their own hmm. yeah i mean yeah it's a philosophical teaching tool since freaking plato i think um exactly yeah yeah it, it is interesting because he in in the way that we're relating satanism to uh the hero's journey slash uh luke's uh exposure initial exposure to the idea of jedi and the force he's literally the satanic bible <laughs> like yeah yeah he's the, yeah. the elderly individual who and you were you were saying that you know he he has this authority about him in the way he his mannerisms and his speech he he's literally like so far beyond luke's understanding that luke sees him as a crazy old man like, he's just so matter-of-fact. Oh, well, that was during the Clone Wars. I fought with your father. Yeah, you know, here's his lightsaber, actually. And all these things are like, what? <laughs> Clone what? Light what? I don't... I, what the hell is... You know, it's, it's such an overload overload of information. It, it took me... Uh, I may be embarrassed to say this. It took me a couple readings of the Satanic Bible to fully digest what I was experiencing because it was so far out of my understanding of... Sure. I knew I was different. I knew... Like everyone I knew, like looked at me and either reacted aggressively or dismissively. I didn't know why, and suddenly this is something explaining why. I was like, I don't. What? What the fuck? This sort of blew my mind. Um, Cameron, well, what, I, what do you I think, think about? Too earlier. Oh, sorry. Oh no, go ahead. Finish your thought. Well, uh, you were just you were talking earlier about how uh, you know Luke initially was like, no, uh, you know, uh, this is not my thing, and I think. Uh, it's something that I can kind of relate to as far as, you know, Luke, obviously he was, he was raised in this environment where here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do work. You're supposed to do this. Even though he had dreams of other things, you know, when Ben came out and said, here's what you want to, you know, you should come and do this with me. And he says, no, no, I've got work to do with something. And I kind of understand the idea of, you know, it's difficult in, in a Christian uh, household upbringing to uh, truly embrace, you know, you like you read the Satanic Bible and go, man, I totally identify this. But it's still a little tricky to first come out and just say, I am a Satanist. You know, it's mm-hmm. at first it's like, no, 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 that's, that's not my thing. But, you know, when yeah. you digest it, wow, it may take a bit. 
Um, so Cameron, do you think there's any parallels with the idea of walking that path of, of uncovering the idea of Satanism and the many different aspects of it as, uh, outlined through various essays, um, Satan Speaks, Devil's Notebook, uh, Satanic Scriptures, um, or, or even fucking the, the Complete Witch, you know, I mean, all these different avenues of, of learning that are, is it similar in any way to Luke's acceptance and then excitement on uncovering uh, information about the Force with Ben? Well, I can only speak, like, from my point of view. I mean, it's... Uh... For me, that's kind of how it was when discovering the philosophy. Um, the, pretty much that, you know, excitement, but you don't really want to show the excitement because you're like, ah, I mean, yeah, of course, the first thought, it's like, oh, this is goofy. It's Satan. Well, I, I don't believe in Satan. And then, you know, you start to delve in and it's like, okay, well, no, this makes sense. I, I like this, but I'm not going to run with it. And then it just hits a point where oh, okay, this is me, I kind of have to do this. So that's what makes sense. And that's kind of how, you know, his whole start was. I mean, granted, my entire family didn't die and I had to delve into Satanism. (laughs) You know, whatever. (laughs) It's a little different. Right, right. (laughs) Mildly, just a tiny, tiny bit different. Um, I, I do like that idea of, of seeing it as silly because your everyone's initial exposure to Satanism is through those uh, media, personal relationships, cultural relationships, communal relationships, uh, sharing their ideas of it. And so if everyone around you is saying this thing is silly and goofy or evil and mysterious, well, that's your initial takeaway. And... I love to connect that idea with uh, when they were uh, they finally left uh, Tatooine and they're on the Millennium Falcon with uh, uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 playing uh, the game with Chewbacca, let the Wookiee Wookie win, and um, Han Solo is just like, hey, you know, all this mystical crap, nothing's better than having a blaster at your side, kid. Um, it's that same sort of takeaway in that Han Solo is so dismissive about the idea of the Force. I think we've all had that person when we have first come out said, I'm a Satanist, that was so dismissive about even the, the oh, you're just a kid. You don't understand. Can you guys relate to that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm almost 30 years old. I still get that. Oh, you're just, you'll, you'll get it. This is just a phase. You'll grow out of it. Yeah. Doran? I don't really get it too much because, probably because I, uh, I, I think compared to most Satanists, I, I discovered it later in life. Um, and uh, I was always I was already, I guess, old enough to not um, not necessarily just kind of blurt out everything. You know, it's like when you're when you're young, you're excited about stuff and you might run off the mouth a little bit more. So I haven't really encountered people. You know, I mean, I, I occasionally will encounter people who think that maybe they have to be afraid or something like that. But then they, you know, talk to me and realize that I'm a, you know, easy to get along with. So, mm-hmm. um, usually I think I get, I, I get pretty decent respect for it when I choose to reveal it. Right. Um, well, here's an interesting thought. Do you think that the respect that you get, um, when you choose to reveal that you're a Satanist, um, is equal to the, 
respect that you are presenting yourself in, like the, the way that you're presenting yourself. You think that oh, adds to that re- received respect? Absolutely. Yeah, certainly. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's there's times, you know, we were familiar with the phrase uh, knowing when to tuck away the Baphomet. Um, and, you know, there are there are times where, you know, you're, you're smart about it and you put it away, but you can still maybe work your way into, you know, if you need to talk about it. Obviously, we don't need to go around waving a flag all the time, but hmm. there are Not times good. that people. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there are times where people like maybe they ask for whatever reason, whether they you know see something about you that they ask about uh, your involvement with it. And, um, yeah, absolutely. The way you present yourself. Not only about what you believe in, but also, I mean, just flat out, if you're just being a dick to them for no reason, yeah. then, you know, it's, it's going to make a difference in the respect that you get for it, you know, so. It would have I been mean, a I'm very different saying... movie if, if Ben <laughs> yeah, just started yeah, yeah, belittling well. and mocking Luke. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um but yeah, so if Luke ran around immediately with his lightsaber and just started like screaming, I'm a Jedi, I'm a Jedi, like flipping it around, I don't think anyone would have ever taken him seriously. I mean, to be fair, no one really took him know, seriously as a Jedi throughout the entire trilogy, except for at the very I end. I think a, a family guy, when they when they were kind of mocking the whole Star Wars trilogy, like they kind of made a good point about, you know, when... Uh, when Luke in the in the Millennium Falcon says, "You don't believe in the Force, do you?" You know, and they in Family Guy they have Han say, "Oh, you mean that thing you just learned about thirty seconds ago and never heard of before? <laughs> now you're judging me for not believing in it?" You know, so, yeah. You know. There is a lot of that. You you see that a lot in first phasers, where they're like, uh, "Yeah, absolutely, yes, yeah. absolutely." Jesus is pale incompetence hanging on a tree, man. You don't know. <laughs> you know, it's just like so aggressive in your face. You're just like, all right, back off, back off, devil child. <laughs> Be cool. Yeah, I'm a Satanist too, and I'm telling you to simmer down. <laughs> yeah. Simmer down, huh? <laughs> simmer down. Yeah. So, um, do you think the the initial uh, transfer into the initiation was the experience with? rescuing the princess from the death star or do you think it was back on uh in the cantina i i would almost argue the cantina just because that's like the first real sense of danger he experiences mm-hmm. and that's what really slingshots him away from his home i mean of course as soon as he hits the death star that's when all hell breaks loose yeah you know, everything well, yeah breaks. but i mean you but oh, even ahead. before that, though, he dealt with the sand people who almost killed him. And uh, that's true. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there. I mean, I, I get what you're saying too. But at the same time, there is there is a majorly upped level of danger when you are in a Death Star, <laughs> surrounded with thousands of stormtroopers, you know, and you're trying to hide as one of them. So yeah, I don't know. I pulled off. That's a well. serious. Issue. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, favorite favorite scenes from uh, that that first part of the movie from uh, Luke and and Uncle Owen buying the droids to his first experience with escaping the Death Star the first time. Do you guys have any favorite scenes from there? Are, are you just talking about Luke scenes or any scenes? Any scenes. 
like favorite scenes? I mean, because I mean, you know, people always talk about how you know Han shot first, but actually Han was the only one who shot, and that mm-hmm. was that was what set me on the path of Han Solo is the coolest <laughs> anti-hero ever. That he's so. he's a murderer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was a good scene, though. What about you, uh, Cameron? <laughs> um, you know, honestly, for me, I I think uh, as soon as they hit the detention block, like that's probably one oh, of my all time cool. favorites, just because the set. Like I I love that set. I mean, I've built that set before, so it just kind of really? helps with that. But yeah, it's I don't I know. Just the whole, oh, go ahead. The, the entire Death Star sequence is really like the groundwork for Han as a character. Like you, okay. you get to see this guy as he really is. You you get a first impression of him, smart talking um, and uh, sort of bad mouthing uh, in the cantina. But as soon as he gets that Death Star. I mean, he has one-liners that are fucking gold. I mean, just mm-hmm. his yeah. conversation with fucking security in the de- detention center <laughs> is great. One of my favorite scenes is actually Han Solo and Chewbacca telling uh, Luke to get to the ship, and he's going to create a diversion. They go run around the corner, run into a fucking platoon of soldiers, and immediately turn around and hightail it screaming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that is the best Absolutely. scene ever. Like... I would never have expected that in in the movie. I, right. I totally thought that they would just be like, you know what, fuck it, let's hunker down and let's cover their asses. Instead, they're just like, fuck, we're gonna die, run! <laughs> <laughs> so great. Um, have so you ever got today? Oh yeah. Oh god, my kids and I watch it and just giggle and have so much fun watching this movie. Um, so, are there any experiences that you guys have had when um, your first? learning and studying about Satanism where you're challenged, where you have to sort of stand your ground and, and, uh, you know, own up to some sort of, uh, some sort of, uh, uh, opposition. Well, for me, uh, growing up in a Mormon household and having to explain that I don't worship the devil and kill animals, that that was probably the (laughs) hardest part for me. And, you know, it's, it's ironic because my entire family is nothing but animal people. Always had at least three or four cats and at least two or three dogs. But, yeah, that was that was probably the hardest part for me was trying to explain, like, look, I don't actually believe in the devil. <laughs> it's like I'm still little atheist Cameron. I just have a little bit of theatrical flair to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm atheist with style. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, the same phrase before, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Uh, what about you, Dorn? Yeah, I actually uh, not too long ago had uh, had to deal with uh, my ex-wife about it. Um, oh shit! Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when we, I mean, when we divorced, uh, uh, I was not uh, a Satanist yet, uh, and actually, it was the uh, alone time, uh, my seclusion during that uh, split up. That is when I took the time to actually do a bunch of reading and discovered that. So, uh, but anyway, apparently I, I was not aware that even if you have your Facebook page set to private, that, uh, apparently you still have to block, uh, take further precautions to allow anyone to not see anything on your page. It used to be, you could just set it to private and they couldn't see anything. Mm-hmm. At some point that changed. And so <laughs> my ex-wife calls me and says, um, I, apparently, I had pictures from uh, the 50th anniversary. Uh, sorry, uh, the DC conference, conclave. Wow! And um, I guess I didn't realize that 
she couldn't see those, or she could <laughs> see them. I didn't realize she could see them. So she apparently thought that that was some kind of uh, initiation or sometime that maybe that's when I joined or something. <laughs> and she was like, so she called and she goes, I I saw the pictures of the you know the group that you just joined in May, and I thought about it first, and I go. I've been a member for almost nine years now. And she's like, ha, ha. And she's like stuttered for a long time. Like, what, how did I not? I'm like, cause it's none of your business. And I'm, you know, she's always been on a uh, record of saying, you know, even though we split up, what a great father I am. And mm-hmm. so she was really taken aback that, wait a minute, all this time I've been saying you're a great father and you've been a Satanist, you know, and she <laughs> kind of didn't really know what to say about it. So, uh, yeah, I had to do. I explained it somewhat, you know, and then I just said, you know, it, it really doesn't matter. It's not your business. I'm not hmm. hurting our kids at all. So, well, so, yeah, that yeah, was fun. I, I love those. <laughs> and then parallels. I went and adjusted my Facebook privacy settings right after. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw the group you just joined. Baptized yeah, yeah. blood. <laughs> she said, "I saw the creepy joined in May, and I thought it, it took me for a second. I was like, in May, the only thing I did was, oh fuck, DC. <laughs> and I was like, Wait, I've been member for nine years, and it just it took her like just a lot of stuttering. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, 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 like she had no idea how to respond to that. So that was great. That's awesome. Let's <laughs> let's uh, take this time to go into the initiation act. Act two. Okay, so the initiation. This is the second of three acts of the hero's journey, and we're going to start with the trials, and he meets some sort of uh, otherworldly figure. Uh, He's going to have to uh, go through some real difficult times during this second act. This is really the most exciting part of a movie or of a series as it breaks down. So do you guys think this is his first exposure with the Death Star? Uh, it, 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 it's his his uh, his trial is the uh, the, the death trials that he has asking? to go through in meeting meeting some sort of otherworldly figure. Well, Steve, I think that his biggest trial in the beginning for him is going to be witnessing the death of Ben and deciding to carry on because mm-hmm. um, that's all he knows about the Force is this sh- very short while he spent with Ben. And he's starting to feel something and go, yeah, I think there's some truth to this. And suddenly, bam, the dude's dead, and he has to move on from there. I think that is really the trial uh, for Luke. Uh, Cameron, what do you think? I, well, I was going to say it'd be more towards the, the attack of the Death Star, like getting through that, losing friends. But I, I kind of got to agree with Dorian. That does make a lot more sense, uh, watching the only person he has, like, mentor in his life just die, and die for him at that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the sole reason why they got away. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, dying for his uh, (laughs) ability to sin later on with his own (laughs) sister, dirty bastard. Uh, (laughs) Actually, that's uh, funny you bring that up, man. I, uh, throughout the whole... You made out with your sister? Oh, no, no. <laughs> no. None of that. No, uh, going through the trilogy, I just, I would take a note every time he would 
pull off a like a satanic sin. I just I, it kind of made me giggle. How really? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I stopped ah. keeping count after uh, probably about forty minutes into Empire, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no. Um, I I I agree with both of you. The them escaping the Death Star is definitely that first point where he is he's at his most difficult position uh, just like Dorian said no teacher but there's a lot more going on at this point in, in Luke's life that no one else is is really even or not even the viewer is really tuned into he literally just lost his family like yeah. his in if, if anyone here has ever like let me put it in example um, like I I went from Utah, white, USA, Mormonville, <laughs> to South Carolina, ethnicity in my face, boot camp. And I, I, just being torn away, it was voluntary, but I was torn away from everything that I knew, and, and I was a smoker at the time, and so I couldn't smoke in base training, so having that added stress, just having all of that to deal with was really, really heavy. But my parents were alive. <laughs> like I didn't have to add in the fact that they're fucking dead. So that is that is a lot to psychologically deal with as a human being. Going through all of these experiences are a way of staving off the stress and the sadness, but I mean as soon as he's back on that Death Star and they're getting the hell out of Dodge, he has nothing but time to think. And that is a road to depression, like serious depression. Yeah. What um, what do you guys think uh, in in your personal lives has been uh, a big trial of yours that you can, in some measure, connect with Satanism? Hmm. Whoa! Wow, well, wow. think about that, yeah. and I'll give you mine. Okay. Um, okay. So I was in basic training, and uh, I came out immediately as a Satanist, and so it attracted some people and detracted others. But by and large, everyone was really, really, uh, no one was aggressive toward me, um, and uh, it got to a point where I was notified that my birth father had died. Uh, and I was still two weeks left in basic training, and so I was faced with this this situation of, well, I can go home and deal with his death, or I can just keep my head down, finish basic training, and sort of deal with it afterward. Um, what I ended up doing was sort of burying my head in studying uh, the Satanic Bible. I had brought a copy with me and I had had my wife ship a number of copies because people keep want, kept wanting to borrow mine um, because it was this exciting and different thing for everyone else over in <laughs> fucking South Carolina. Um, but uh, it, it was... It was because of my sort of head in Satanism and the military at the same exact time that I was able to sort of deal with the loss of the man that created me and that had some really powerful uh, moments burned into my head, these really powerful experiences that I vividly remember to this day. Uh, not all positive, <laughs> but still, it was just that idea that that this individual who gave me a, a first glimpse at what it was to be um, very different than everything that my mom raised me to be is now gone. I didn't get to say goodbye. The last time we talked was a really negative experience, and I, now I have to just sort of deal with this in this really foreign environment. So 
in that way, I relate my experience to that that sort of initiation phase of the hero's journey, um, and used really my study in Satanism to to help get me through it. It it wasn't something where you know like a Christian would be like the power of Jesus allowed me, <laughs> but it was very much yeah. that I was able to focus on who and what I was rather than dwell on what had happened in the past, and that is a very it's a very powerful idea of, of focusing on the now. Think about, set your goals, but focus on who you are as an individual. It, it really, it's powerful in helping you get through virtually anything. Um, so have you guys had a time to think about anything? I know I'm dropping this on you. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Well, for me, um, I would say like sort of a recent thing. Like I recently became a business owner, I guess not recently. It was February. Yeah. And you know, of course the industry I've been in for 10 years now and think, Oh, I've got this, I've got this. And man, if it, if it wasn't for sitting down doing a lot of reading and remembering who I am and just what I'm trying to accomplish in life, man, I, I would have lost my mind numerous times by now. Hmm. And yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it has been, you know, going back through reading all the older essays, um, just getting new takes from them too, like takes that I can use, like in my you know, personal circumstances. Mm-hmm. So of course, every time, like I try to, anytime I read any of the books, I always try to space them out. That way, every time I read them, I'm taking away something different because I'm a different person at that point. And that's a really good point I want to come back to later. Sorry. Okay. No, but go ahead. Oh, well, that's, yeah, that was about the gist of it. Okay. Um, <laughs> Dorian, did you have anything? Well, uh, I guess for me, uh, it really came down to really when I first discovered Satanism and uh, kind of what I was uh, mentioning earlier, I, I had a, a previous marriage and uh, went through a divorce and, you know, the divorce was partly, you know, uh, I guess me kind of being done with, uh, I guess, I, let me just shortcut it by saying, you know, I, a lot of things in my life just had to, I was just over a lot of old shit. And, uh, you know, when uh, a lot of my former Christian friends who no longer wanted anything to do with me and, and uh, it was, I was always kind of a loner anyway, so it was easy for me to um, to spend a lot of time from by myself, but it was helpful to uh, to discover Satanism and kind of uh, recognize um, the the strength of my own individuality um, mm-hmm. and to recognize that I, it doesn't really matter that I don't fit into this uh, this flock, this herd. I never fit into there anyway, and uh, you know. So uh, it, I I definitely think that it helped me kind of overcome that kind of thing so I, I like that um bouncing back and forth between star wars and the satanism discussion of this hero's journey do you think that luke would be the same type of a jedi if he had started training as a kid versus being an adult and i want it to be related in the way that we were all um young adults when we discovered satanism and our, our, 
did our age have anything to do with the way that we interpreted it and uh, used it in our lives uh, and, and, you know, put that on, on Luke with the force. Um, Dorian, what do you think? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, age has a lot to do with, uh, uh, you know, just being headstrong, I think in, in some ways, and also just your life experience in general. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, for me again, you know, um, because I, I discovered uh, I was in my you know early 30s when I discovered Satanism. Uh, when I discovered when I identified myself, I was only uh, maybe 30, 32, I think. Um, no, 33. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, I had had enough experience in life, uh, especially in the Christian realm, to uh, to be able to handle when. You know, of course, you know, so many people in this country, they associate being American with being a Christian. And, right. uh, you know, I I know the Bible better than most of the people that would try to argue it with me. <laughs> so that's actually coming uh, rather handy for me is, uh, you know, to have you know, Christians say, well, yeah, but you don't understand this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I do. I'll tell you all <laughs> about it. And then I'll tell you why it's wrong and why I don't believe it anymore. So, um, you know, maybe I wouldn't have had the tools to – to uh, battle that as much uh, when I was younger, and you know, and just being headstrong, you know, I think, uh, like I said, I think uh, being a little bit older and sitting down and thinking things out for me um, did a world wonder. So, hmm. do you think Luke would be the same type of a Jedi if he had started as a young man? Like yeah, a, a child? yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, he, you know, there's there's more, hmm, there's more. Uh, Okay, like if you go back again, we I know we weren't talking about it too much, but if you go back to prequels, um, there was you know schools, there was other teachers, there was um, you know easily accessible holocrons and, and and all kinds of ways that he could learn. Um, but then again, I mean, look what that that didn't help his father any. So uh, maybe it was better for him to just to start off uh, a little bit older. Um, mm-hmm. Although you know we also know that Yoda kind of doubted it. You know he kind of hinted that he was too old, but yeah, you know, well, um, to Cameron's point earlier on, on how he's reading different essays later times in life, they have, they have little different meanings or different understandings than at different points. I think that has a lot to do with it too. I mean, you were very much a grown man when you experienced Satanism at 33, right? I mean, that's, you're, yeah. You're fully grown and your your brain is fully developed. You know exactly who you are. Um, a lot of exactly. the people that discover Satan is when they, you know, quite frankly, to be quite honest, their brain is not fully developed yet. And so they're trying to yeah. trying to digest these complex ideas that, uh, you know, with with a, a non-fully developed brain, you know, you just it, it's really challenging. That's why they had, you know, you got to reinforce it. You got to keep reading. You got to keep trying to understand and questioning and challenging these different ideas of, of personal understanding. Um, Cameron, do you think uh, Luke would have been different if he was training since a child? Oh, absolutely. I I, I feel he, he learns more doing it himself, like really having to dig and do all his own research than if he would have just been thrown like in the Jedi Academy. Cause I mean, you're, you're sitting down doing a force regimen with other students learning the exact same thing. Whereas with him, he's thirsting for knowledge. He's like, that is his entire lot in life is to rebuild this order and rebuild this religion. 
Yeah, yeah I, I don't think he'd be. I don't think he'd be the same. I mean, I can't it really is, say if he'd be better or worse, but I. Right, right. Yeah, he definitely would not be the same. I mean, he did almost kill himself a few times in the books trying to build a lifesaver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and to be quite honest, he he turns and uses the dark side at multiple times during this entire trilogy. Yeah. Like he gives into his anger, <laughs> especially in Return of the Jedi. He does yeah, it, and yeah, so. You know, if he would have been trained as a kid, he would have known those cues and he would have probably avoided them and he would have approached Vader in that final confrontation much differently than he actually did. And maybe because of that, he wouldn't have won. I think it was because of the dark side that using that, that he was able to overcome those dramatic odds that were in his way. Um, namely, the Vader <laughs> really you know, uh, trying to kill yeah, him. You gotta kind of got to kind of wonder too i mean like he hasn't this whole time he hasn't really had any sparring partners with a lightsaber if he had been trained in the jedi academy and been fighting with a lightsaber since he was a little kid i wonder you know adding the same skills would he have just demolished vader in no time <laughs> that, <laughs> that is, is a, a pretty point. even battle yeah like i read the novel of the um third movie where anakin actually you know first dons the armor and there is this really wonderful idea that anakin has to actively use the dark side of the force in order to control his body movements and so he is considerably diminished as a jedi just by yeah. the nature of not having limbs and being in that suit he so he's at a massive disadvantage as powerful as he is to yeah. a fully realized Jedi. I mean, maybe he would have just completely annihilated him. So, you know, we're talking about these, uh, we've covered departure, we're talking about initiation, the next one is the return. We're relating this almost exclusively to A New Hope, but really you could be seeing this uh, in the trilogy of movies. So, in A New Hope, he, he's, Luke is first exposed to the Force. He goes on a journey with Ben to um, sort of answer the call of uh, um, the 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 queen, uh, Princess Leia. They come and realize that not only is Leia's planet destroyed, but she's held captive. So they rescue her. She takes them to the rebel fleet, and suddenly now they're forced with dealing with this Death Star. And the Empire is forcing their hand. They have to fight uh, at the Battle of Yavin and destroy this Death Star. So the second movie opens and they're on Hoth. And there's a lot of in-between those movies where you end with Luke knowing Dick about the force yeah. barely being able to deflect a robot's light like blasts and you <laughs> open with him on Hoth like being attacked savagely attacked and being able to masterfully wrench his lightsaber using the force and so there's there's a sort of hole there in understanding uh, Cameron loaned yeah. me this really great book Heir to the Jedi which sort of explains that gap but if we could talk about uh, um, The Empire Strikes Back in the terms of the initiate, initiation phase. I mean, this is really where Luke is testing the boundaries of his understanding of the Force. And I loved what you said earlier, Cameron, when when you said, uh, he, because, or maybe it was Dorian, I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> this discussion is going so, so randomly. Um, we... Because he was older, he, he was in an absence of a trainer. He had to uncover these ideas, these mystical notions 
all on his own. And that very much parallels, as I've said in the past, my exploration with the occult and the, and um, I was going to say the force, but uh, Satanism. <laughs> uh, you know, like there are these mystical concepts that I had to explore. I had to chase down. I had to test for validity myself. I didn't have a trainer. No one was out there, you know, like, come Luke, let me embrace the force. You right. know, I, I didn't have my own old Ben. So it was very much that same experience. Empire Strikes Back is a very dark time for Luke. I mean, this, <laughs> like, he is, his friends are in trouble. He is faced with death. He's faced with a final realization at the end that blows his mind. Um, this is like the core of, of the understanding of who and what he is as a human being. And uh, his understanding of what he could possibly be as a Jedi through through Yoda's training and stuff like that. And through, the, obviously, that Dark Force cave. Have you guys ever had that experience of um, once, you've, once you've been introduced to Satanism, you've been studying it for a little while. Have, were you ever challenged internally with, is this who and what I am? Uh, for me, it was initially, um, as far as just, you know, reading through it the first time I read it. And I, like I said, you know, you expect something different, um, reading it. And what I did personally was, even though I, I felt like I identified with everything that it said, I actually set it on the shelf for a year and I would read other, uh, books on different religions and philosophies and stuff. And, and nothing compared to it. You know, I kept coming back to it. But I don't think since then, um, ever since I've decided that I identify with uh, mm -hmm. being a Satanist, I don't think I've uh, uh, had any issues. And maybe it's because of the life experience I had before. But yeah, I haven't doubted it since then. Mm -hmm. Cameron? Uh, I'm about the same way. It was, you know, the first read, I'm expecting something completely just, I, I don't even know what I was expecting, but it sure as hell wasn't that. And I, I mean, I enjoyed it. it. It made sense, but I was just, you know, still the whole stigma of, oh, Satan. Huh. Okay. So I, I put it down, uh, read a few things and picked it back <clears throat> up a few months later and, you know, really considered every single thing that I was reading. And mm. by the end, it's like, oh, okay, well, shit, I guess I'm a Satanist, huh? <laughs> and you know since then i mean it's it, it just seems like it's it's one of those things that you don't just you know decide you are and one day wake up and realize that you're not it just it, it doesn't seem like that could happen and of course that's sophistic but that, that's just how it is for me yeah. Certainly, yeah. certainly if it's genuine anyway i mean obviously we have we, we know of detractors who you know maybe yeah, they're they're true. obviously in it for the wrong reason but yeah yeah, it is interesting. Like, um, I had first uh, picked up the Satanic Bible. I was a junior in high school. So this was 93-ish. And I just immediately started self-identifying. Um, I didn't join until uh, 98, I think. I joined the Church of Satan. And I started, like, interacting online, um, talking to other Satanists in different um, areas. And I started seeing them and, like, is this – like, I really wildly unimpressed with these people. And I was like, are these Satanists? And if, and if what they're saying and what they're doing is Satanism, am I really a Satanist? Like, I had a real 
come to Satan moment. <laughs> like <laughs> I I couldn't I couldn't rationalize how these other people self-identified as Satanists claimed and discussed Satanism and how how pathetic I thought they were and I still do actually um, how sad they were I, if we are the highest embodiment of human life and these are them we are <laughs> fucked yeah. like yeah. I, I was so unimpressed with these online interactions and so I had this real moment of like I don't I don't know if I'm a Satanist and so I sort of just fell off the map until 2011 when I decided you know what I need to I need to speak up and I need to start doing my thing um because I saw a lot of negativity and a lot of shit talk. Uh, and, and I realized that if I just let those voices out there stand alone, then that is going to be the sole experience that people have. And I would rather have them have an honest experience than a shitty one, if they're going to have any experience at all. And so I might as well do something about it. Um, so that was, that was really my, my challenge there. Um, so let's, let's talk a little Empire Strikes Back. I know, Cameron, this is your favorite. Dorian? Um, the original is my favorite. The original. Oh, really? Yeah. That's what started it, it all for me. Oh, okay. Did you did you like Han Solo better in the original or in Empire or uh, Return? Well, I mean, uh, Han Solo is one of those characters that you know he's he's gonna be cool no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I don't know. I mean, like, uh, I mean, because I I would I would have to say that of the three, and I know I know most diehard Star Wars fans always say Empire, but actually for me, it's probably the least favorite. Whoa! But, but but now on the other side of that is that I have hundreds and hundreds of movies, and my third favorite of hundreds and hundreds of movies is Empire Strikes Back. So (laughs) it's still it's it's only just barely, you know. Yeah. So Um, I'm gonna burn a figure of you in effigy now. (laughs) I got to join you with that one. (laughs) No, I. I loved it because it it was very dark and it made me think that this wasn't just this sort of hokey, you know, because there's so many fantasy movies out there where, you know, things get a little tough and then the good guy wins in the end. And this left you very much like, oh, shit, (laughs) motherfucker lost his hand. His dad's the ultimate bad guy. His fucking girls is fucking. Wait, did he? He didn't realize that in that movie, did he? No, no, no. But now, but that's the thing, though, is like I guess maybe maybe that's why it's uh, maybe that's why it's not my favorite is because it's not the end. It's a cliffhanger. So yeah. you know, it's still yeah. the good guy still wins in the end. You don't finish the story where like the first movie is still a standalone movie. It could watch that and movies over and 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 that's it. Yeah. Fortunately for us, they made more, but <clears throat> but uh, Empire is dependent on uh, Return of the Jedi. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah, I I have to say that's one of my favorite um well, another one of my favorite Han lines is I know. <laughs> when Leia's all, yeah. I love you. <laughs> have you seen the his or her shirts? Uh-uh. It's a they have a, a shirts that you get for you and your woman and the the the, the female shirt has a silhouette of uh, Leia, it says "I love you," and the guy sure has a silhouette of Han that says "I know." <laughs> nice, that's awesome. Yeah, 
that's it's like cool. the only it's like the only shirts that any guy would say, okay, fine, we can wear these to out, out on <laughs> I still couldn't bring myself to do it, but I appreciate it. <laughs> um, so, okay, so we've, we talked uh, ex- initial exposure, challenge of, of studying and learning and, and, and growing, uh, a massive challenge that he has to overcome. For Luke, of course, with the Force, it's realizing that the man who killed his father is in fact his father. And that's the end of that movie, just as we were saying, um, a cliffhanger for Return of the Jedi. This movie was a fucking phenomenon, Return of the Jedi. It not only brought back the idea of the heroic Jedi rather than the self-sacrificing Jedi that we were exposed mm-hmm. to in A New Hope, which really, for me, was kind of a downer. Like, And I didn't think of it as a downer until later in life, but... The fact that you would sacrifice yourself, if you're strong enough to, like, become, like, this ultimate ghostly presence for Luke, why the fuck couldn't you just, like, run? <laughs> like, yeah, just right, run yeah. away from fucking... Because really, the, the, the amount of uh, force powers that we were... Um, uh, reveal, that were revealed to us up to that point was choking and tricking people. Like... <laughs> <laughs> That yeah. there was no like Jedi Knight video game at that point to show us all these other cool things. <laughs> well, plus you know, then Ben says to Vader, he says, "If you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you can possibly imagine." But he never proves it. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't go come back as a ghost and kick Vader's ass. That'd be awesome if he was just some sort of like uh, <laughs> like uh, chains all around him, like like, <laughs> egg, egg, like what is that? Scrooge's partner, I can't remember his awesome. name now, but yeah, just haunting him <laughs> yeah. for the rest of his days. <laughs> My power lies in annoying you, <laughs> and that's where I would actually accept Vader yelling no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Uh, total meta reference for. <laughs> the that, game, was, the that, that was such a hard moment for me when I saw that in theaters. I, oh my god, I've never seen that many grown men cry. And it wasn't because <laughs> it was sad, it was because you just ruined Darth Vader. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> I just had a feeling of a thousand voices crying out in pain and then suddenly goes right, silent. Pretty much. That's exactly what it was. Yep. Nice. Um, okay, so let's talk a little Return of the Jedi. This is where Luke finally comes into his own. He realizes, I mean, the first time we even see him, he's already built his first lightsaber. He's practiced as much as he possibly can with Yoda uh, up to that point because he l- abandoned Yoda's training in, in the previous movie. Um, there's been some novel-based adventures that the heroes have had and now comic-based adventures that the heroes have had um, to sort of hone his skills I mean, this is this is a man who, whether he self-identifies as a Jedi, uh, tells other people that he's a fully grown Jedi. Um, is that is that is that difficult? Do you think uh, the notion of of just standing up and declaring, "I know everything I need to know," up to this point, I am a Jedi. I am a Satanist now. I mean, do you think that's just declaring it out loud? Is that still a challenging thing for you guys? Depends on the audience, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily find it a challenge, um, but then again, you know, I'm not hanging out with all my family either, so yeah, uh, yeah that would probably be a different situation, I suppose. I, I think I, for me, I'm definitely more of a person who um, I wouldn't, 
I have no reason to deny it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it was my family or whatever, I wouldn't deny it. But I, I don't think I need to necessarily bust in the door and say, hey, everybody, I'm Satan. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm about the same. I mean, I always got my little Baphomet on, I, you know, my posters at work that I've drawn. But, I mean, I it's not like I'm in your face. Ooh, ooh I'm a Satanist. But <laughs> I never deny it. And honestly, like, especially in the area that I'm in, it seems like the only people that understand any of that are cool with it because they studied it, you know, one way or the other themselves. Mm-hmm. So I've never really had to worry about that, I guess. I've been pretty lucky. So uh, I'm going to ask you but first, that- Cameron, and then Dorian, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, do you think that you as a Satanist right now, are you a better human being because of Satanism or are you, um, uh, because of your studying in Satanism, you know that that somehow helped you become a better version of you, or are you the same version of you that you would have been normally, but you just have a satanic perspective? No, I. I well, because of course uh, Satanism's just a tool. Like that's all it is, and I honestly I think if I had never come across it, a lot of my. Uh, considerations in life wouldn't have been the same. Um, you know, of course I can't think of something right offhand, like ex- an actual example, but right. yeah, I think honestly it is, it's helped me understand myself more and work with what I have pretty much. Right. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't think I'd be the same without it, honestly. What do you think but I don't know. That, that's a really tough question. It is, yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm asking it. <laughs> so, Dorian? Um, yeah, it's uh, that is a, a tricky question because I think that uh, I think that at this point, when I realized um, that I had no use for uh, religion as far as like Christianity, Christian religion, um, I think that. Uh, I think the moment that I did that, before I embraced the title of Satanist, I had already embraced that I can do this on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, I don't necessarily think that my life would necessarily take a different path. Um, for me, yeah, it is more uh, – it's definitely more of a tool. Um, you know, Satanism is uh, – it's not the picture. It's the frame. As they say, you know, it's, it's a way to view things. So, you know, I definitely, uh, I, I view things differently. Um, and I suppose you could say that um, Satanism has, uh, because I view things as a Satanist, and I recognize that anything I look at, I look at as a Satanist, that therefore then does kind of shape who I am. Mm-hmm. So, does that help? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, Luke's self-identifying as a Jedi certainly bolsters his confidence, um, even though he's still struggling with, you know, some of the the, the more simple uh, – why well, I say simple – some of the more uh, <laughs> mundane aspects of the Force, like just convincing someone of something. I mean, the first time we see him in the, the Return of the Jedi, he's trying to use the mind trick on, on Jabba. 
and it's right. his pure lack of experience that you know that he would try something like that but it sort of makes him look like a fool but then he immediately sort of recovers by his experience um so um with the <laughs> the rancor my favorite monster of all time the rancor indeed um so okay so his his fully embracing uh, himself as a jedi i think isn't proven for me, until the very end, um, what do you guys think? Uh, is is he is he a Jedi before he faces and defeats Vader, or uh, after? I would say after. Um, if we go by the steps of an actual Jedi trial, like how he be, one would become a Jedi, that's almost like the epitome of what his trial would be: is to take down the enemy. But ultimately, he doesn't just murder the enemy. He he pretty much fixes the enemy, in a sense. So, I, yeah, I would say it would be at that point. What do you think, Dorian? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I guess it's kind of the same thing as, like, you know, someone coming out and saying they're a Satanist, but then are they really a Satanist? I mean, do you have to be put to do some tests for a while? Um, you know, as far as uh, – I mean, you, you could absolutely say that by the time he's uh, he's finished with uh, – and with the Emperor. I mean, the Emperor tempts him. Mm-hmm. And he uh, – you know, granted, he does jump in eventually, but, you know, and he, and he does – uh, put his lightsaber down and says, you know, I'll, I'll never do this. I'll never kill my father. Um, you know, I think that's really the moment that he says, you know, I have learned to conquer uh, the dark side and to, to resist that. Um, now we know in the books that that changes uh, here and there every now and then. But essentially by the movies, that would be the time that he, um, I would think, He's truly a Jedi when he's learned to say, "No, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to. I'm not going to fall for your tricks." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as far as uh, being a, a, a Satanist, there's one thing with self-identifying, and there's another thing with projecting the idea of Satanism and, and, and uh, telling other people that you're a Satanist. Um, do you think life experience and accomplishment? Is what truly defines you as a Satanist, or is it simply the self-identification part of it? I I, I well, would say. Oh, go ahead. I'm still trying to get well, my head on. <laughs> well, like I said, I, I think that you know the problem with it just being self-identification is, um, will you stick with that? You know, like we said, we we've met detractors who started off with uh, self-identification, um, and mm-hmm. then. Their trial is they don't receive the pat on the back that they were looking for, and so they they move on to their own thing. So uh, you know it's not the same kind of trial as uh, you know a Jedi might go through, but but for you know whether it's something simple like that or otherwise that uh, makes you uh, the definite article. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, when it comes down to it, yeah, I mean, you can be, you don't have to be a member of the Church of Satan, so you, you can self-identify, obviously. But um, I think at some point, one way or another, something on, is going to test you on that, and you have to decide, you know, how you handle that. And that may, may, that may define you in the end. It may change you. 
Right. What do you think, Cameron? Ugh. Um, it it's definitely a little bit of both because, of course, you can't be it without saying that you are. But uh, ultimately, to be a Satanist, you have to be a perfect person. Well, perfect for what you envision, in my opinion. Your version. And yeah, yeah. And you're not going to get that without having some sort of accomplishment under your belt. So it's sort of a toss up between both, honestly. Like you, you can say it, but if you don't have what you need to back it up with, then I don't necessarily see it. But that's yeah. just my two cents. Yeah, I want to. Uh, I want. I want to jump on that that last part of that a little bit more and explore it a bit because um, the idea of being a perfect version of you, um, I think it, it, it's it's really easy to to take a simplistic approach to that idea and say, oh, well, you never mess up and you're just this perfect version. You, you're the, the ideal Satanist, and you, you know, because there's no such thing as an ideal Satanist. But, yeah. but that's sort of a simplistic view of it. I, I think the perfect version of a Satanist is uh, the individual. We will make mistakes. That's not... And, and I think <clears throat> what makes you perfect is when you make mistakes, you learn from them. Yeah, and you grow, and you do what you can to avoid those same mistakes again. Um, part of I, I think it's an integral part of being a Satanist is the growth aspect of it. It's the the studying and using what you've studied, uh, questioning and challenging those ideas, because the reality is, if you don't agree with them, then you're probably not a Satanist. And there's nothing wrong with you not being a Satanist. That's okay. Go be whatever you are. But if you are a Satanist and challenging those ideas, you're going to be a stronger Satanist because of that challenge. Uh, Because you're not just taking things at face value. Uh, Every individual is a composition of your life experience uh, and, and what you know at the moment of experience. And we've talked about it throughout this entire discussion of the hero's journey in you are continually going to be challenged you are continually going to uh, use lesser magic in your interactions on a day-to-day basis on whether or not you would uh, reveal yourself as a satanist or not but you will always study and use that knowledge and your life experience to grow as an individual and become that perfect version of whoever you are um, and that's exactly what happened to Luke. He was not perfect at the end. Oh, fuck no, he was not perfect. He had danced with the devil in the pale moonlight quite a bit throughout his life, and he will later on, I'm sure, in, in the movies to come, which I'm really excited for, um, to, to see what happens to him. But it's that's what I love most about Luke, is that I, I, I'm afraid that if he was trained as a young child... Uh, to be that perfect Jedi, he would never have danced with the darkness. He would never have taken those steps over like he did because he wasn't like like just ingrained with those ideas since birth. He was allowed to explore them on his own terms and he became his own version because of that. And that version ended up fulfilling some prophecy if you want to draw that into it. But more than anything else, it meant he was a Jedi. The first Jedi in more than two decades. And and really, uh, as, as a young man or woman growing up, 
seeing that victory, everyone wants to be better than their parents. They want to be stronger and more powerful. You look at your parents as superheroes at some point in your life, but then you're going to get past that. And that's exactly what he does in this. And that's what every Satanist needs to do in their own individual lives is realize that there's no such thing as a perfect Satanist. There's only the perfect version of you. And I think Cameron, you really hit that nail on the head. So um, that was awesome, man. Gentlemen, this is going to have to stop this fucking conversation. It's been an hour and a half. We've we've gone through the original trilogy. We've gone through the hero's journey. Um, I've had a lot of fun. Thank you both so much for joining me. Oh, thank you again. I love Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. Well, the next time we're going to chat is going to be after the movie's been released for a month. This January 31st. We're going to talk about the light and dark side of the Force and how it relates to satanic themes. And then we have one last episode and that's going to be May 29th uh, and we're going to talk about iconic characters at that point so uh, I'm looking forward to that again we've had an episode in the past August 30th look it up on 9centspodcast.com it's there for you um, Cameron you want to give a shout out for any projects anything you're working on your 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 tattoo shop anything I am actually oh, doing a drive for a local homeless shelter um, and pretty much uh, anybody brings stuff in off the list, uh, which you can find at theroadhome.org. Um, for each item you bring in off that list, it's $5 off, up to 20 on piercings, up to 50 on tattoos. And that's probably going to run to the end of December. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And do you have to be uh, in-state? or you? I mean, I know you have to visit to redeem. Yes, of course. <laughs> but uh, uh, can you do it if you're, you know, if people are planning on traveling here? Oh, yeah, it's, it's, you don't necessarily need an appointment. Uh, pretty much just find us on Facebook, hit us up. It's just uh, facebook.com forward slash uh, Zen Head H E D tattoo. Um, drop us a line, we'll get you taken care of. <clears throat> Definitely get you something set up if you're traveling oh, yeah. around the state. And then, of course, the other project, which Dorian's in as well, coming up real close is The Devil's Reign. That yeah. One yeah. Sad I can't make it. But I'm still excited. I'm part of that too, fucker. <laughs> Didn't even oh, fucking oh, oh, yeah. Right. God, I forgot you were in that. Holy shit. That's right. Yep. It, it's been a long day. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. No, no, no. no yeah, that's going to be a good one. Uh, Dorian, I know you have The Devil You Know podcast. Uh, you have your new book. Yeah. Uh, you want to give some shout outs? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm actually getting ready to move to Port St. Lucie, Florida next week. Uh, so I will be at the Devil's Reign uh, exhibit. Um, but yeah, I got uh, Sin in the Skin as uh, my book on Amazon, devilyknowpodcast.com. Uh, I have something cool, secret. I still not allowed to talk about it yet. So, uh, But yeah, all kinds of stuff. Go to isatanist.com to see my poster of Anton LaVey that I just put out. So all kinds of shit, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I highly recommend everyone check out their different websites they named. I'm going to try to get them all in the show notes so you can, uh, if you didn't have a pen and paper, find them that way as well. Gentlemen, I have the utmost respect for both of you as artists and fellow Satanists and as friends. Thank you so much. And before we go, I'd just like to say a, a quick uh, um, dedication to this episode to uh, a fellow traveler, Mischief, who had lived their own uh, hero's journey in their own way. And I'd like to dedicate the episode uh, in uh, their memory. Uh, 
So uh, thank you both for joining me. And until next time we can get together, hail Satan. Hail Satan. Hail Satan.